Well, hello. Welcome. This is live from my office. Thank you for listening. My name is Ross Cochran, and I'm actually not the normal host of this show. The normal host of this show is a guy who sounds a lot like me, but doesn't quite have as much hair. Uh, His name is Steve Cochran. Today is a very special episode of Live from My Office. First of all, I am filling in because my dad is recovering from a knee surgery. But also, today marks one year of Live from My Office. Says. We've had a whole year of episodes, which is crazy. We started this project on March 3rd, 2020. And if you're listening to this episode, the day comes out. Today is March 3rd, 2021. And I don't know if you've noticed, but a lot of stuff has happened this year. Today, we're going to bring you the very first episode. This was a conversation that actually first came out on Facebook. So we dropped 88 episodes of live from my office exclusively for Facebook. And now we are on episode 85 in the podcast feed. But the most common guest by far has been Dr. Kevin Most. Dr. Kevin Most and my dad have been friends for decades. And Dr. Kevin Most is legitimately one of the best medical communicators in the country. So we're so grateful that he so often is talking to you all about the latest in the coronavirus and how we're doing fighting this global pandemic. But I actually think you'll enjoy hearing what the conversation sounded like one year ago today. Because when we've all been forced to be under some level of lockdown, to have our lives dramatically changed by the coronavirus, it becomes easy for us to forget just how far we've come. So listen to two guys uh, one year ago today who had no idea about the journey we're about to be on. You'll hear my dad welcome you to his this new adventure called Life from My Office, and then you'll hear from Dr. Kevin Most. All of that right after the break. Thanks for listening to Live from My Office. The title sponsor of Live from My Office is David Hochberg and Team Hochberg, part of Homeside Financial. You can buy a home or refinance at 855 855- Five six three two eight four three. That's eight five five fifty six David. Or go to fifty six David dot com. When you go to the website, you can request a free quote right there. And I can tell you from knowing how they do their business, your job gets a whole lot easier. Just go through that extra step, get them the documents they need, and they will deliver money as in savings to you in a way you didn't think was possible. And there you go. You could check that off your stress list of things you should have done by now. Uh, The refinance process with Team Hochberg is as good as it gets. And all the members of Team Hochberg, (laughs) just want to save you money. And they do it all the time. They've done it for me and for my family and uh, for people I've worked with through the years. Um, They are what they uh, claim to be. It's David Hochberg, Homeside Financial, an equal housing lender, NMLS number 1124061. Hey, I'm Steve Cochran, and I appreciate you being here, uh, even if it's by accident. A lot of people have asked me, what are you up to? Well, I'm having a lot of meetings, and if you know anything about me, you know I'm not crazy about the meetings. But we're talking about good stuff trying to figure out what the next big thing is. In the meantime, a lot of news out there. I got a lot of things to say. Uh, this coronavirus thing, it's pretty scary. And there's some things we haven't even thought about. 
That's why I called Dr. Kevin Most. What do we know in, you know, just, I'm not going to ask you to spell it out completely, but what do we know briefly about the coronavirus and where we are? Yeah, I wish we knew more than we do know. You know, the concern with us right now is what we don't know, not what we do know. So, and I say that very seriously because, you know, we talk about everyone's concerned looking at this uh, mortality rate of 2, 2.3%, when in fact, we really don't know what the denominator is. We don't know how many cases are actually out there. We're only being told the cases that the Chinese government wants to tell us, as well as cases outside of the, uh, that have left China and now are in South Korea, United States, Europe. So the biggest thing there is let us know the true number because then we can make sure that we have our actions right. For us to run to try to make a vaccine very quickly may not make the best sense for the use of our assets if we knew the true numbers of exactly how many people were sick and exactly how sick they are. And that's the big key for you and the hospital, right? Absolutely. You know, we look at it, we've had 15 cases. We might have 17 cases now in the United States. We've ruled out a whole bunch. And you say, well, wait, all those people went to the hospital and they're hospitalized. They really weren't hospitalized. They were isolated. So if you saw any videos of them or if you saw them after they came out, the reason that we put them in a hospital is because we can isolate them. We can control their environment. We know that they won't spread it to anyone else. They weren't in there because they needed to be ventilated or needed any medication. So really, it was more protection for the rest of us uh, to, to decrease that spread. So that being said, how many more cases of those are out there that we're not counting? How many people in China actually have mild symptoms but aren't going to the doctor because they're afraid? And to be honest with you, China's running out of testing material to test for this, so they're really trying to manipulate the number as much as they can. And I'll tell you, Steve, probably the most interesting thing, since the first case of coronavirus, the country of China has changed the definition of who has coronavirus seven times. Just to make the math work. Well, to make the math work and to simplify it for them. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, the beginning we had, uh, we had, 500 cases or 800 cases. And then, boy, we jumped 14,000 cases because they changed the definition to say anybody who lives in this area who has these symptoms, we're going to call them positive. They got this big run up and then they said, whoa, 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 time out. We can't do that. They cut it way back to say if you had a positive CAT scan because that was faster to test than the regular test. Now they've cut back even more and you've seen the numbers drop off dramatically. And we're all sitting here saying, are the numbers dropped off? Are we just not being told the whole story? And the politics of it are what they are. Uh, and frankly, we have very little control over it. You know, the sermon I said every day, and I continue to tell people, is you got to vote. Um, short of that, uh, one of the scariest things I've uh, heard in a long time, and I didn't know this, and I don't think most people know this, is the percentage of meds that are either made um, or come directly from China and along with medical equipment and things of that nature, point being, when are the supply lines going to be affected to a point that we're going to have a major problem here? Yeah, that is probably the number one medical community concern right now. We're not as concerned about how, what are we going to do if we find a patient who's positive. Our bigger concern is what happens three weeks from now, four weeks from now. A lot of these factories have been shut down. And like you said, 
somewhere between 60 and 90% of the compounds that we use for generic medications are made in India and China. So that's, we insane, don't that's crazy. Do, correct. We do not make any antibiotics in the United States. We do not produce any. So, you know, I take generic medications uh, for my blood pressure, for my cholesterol. Am I concerned that in a couple of weeks now, there's going to be a shortage? Absolutely. I am. Um, and at least we're doing smart things. We're not allowing people to hoard medications. We're not allowing them to hoard masks. We're at least trying to control this so that it's going to impact all of us uniformly versus the haves and the have nots. So um, this, I think, is going to play out to be the bigger part is how is it going to impact our whole economy, for one thing, but really how is it going to impact medication and medical equipment to keep our patients here safe and treated properly. Right. And, and uh, because of that, let's uh, just spend a second on what do you do? You don't hoard meds. You don't ask your doctor for extra meds. Uh, is that right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, what you're going to end up seeing probably is some patients that are going to end up going from generic medications to trade name medications. What I mean by that is there are still some new statin drugs or new cholesterol drugs or new blood pressure drugs that are trade name. They have not run through um, their time of so that a generic can be made. So they're trademark or they're, uh, they're still protected. If we run out of the generic ones which are being made there, we'll still have ones that are being made in Germany and Europe and even some places in the United States that are trade name. The bad thing is you're going to pay four, five, six, ten times the difference here. Yeah. So depending on your insurance, my insurance, I get my generic medications for a very low copay. If I use a trade name, it's much higher than I pay. So we're probably going to be able to cover some of that. But again, we don't have factories that we can say, we need you to make three times as much. Most companies run at a maximum efficiency rate so that it's really going to be difficult to say, okay, we want more. Same thing with vaccines, we'll say, let's say we decide we want a coronavirus vaccine and we want enough for the entire world. Well, does that mean we're going to stop making flu vaccines? Right. right. 29 million people have had the influenza, 400,000 hospitalizations this year, 30,000 deaths. You know, so we're going to have a balancing act here because we just don't have factories sitting around where we can say, oh, we're going to start making vaccines now. Um, I guess it is a political thing then. Do you have any sense that Health and Human Services uh, is on this? I mean, are you guys as a major hospital? I mean, this is Northwestern Medicine we're talking about. Uh, do you get word from our senators or from Washington that uh, we've got this problem under control to the best that they no. could? No, you know, we're getting more we're getting more clinical data from the CDC. So we get a briefing from Homeland Security and the CDC every day. So at least on the clinical side, that's one part of it. From our supply chain side of it, we certainly have people looking at what's the supply chain for masks? What is it for other medications? What is it for anything else that's being made in China? We're watching that very closely. But we don't, I haven't heard that Health and Human Services is stepping up or anybody stepping up saying this is our plan for this. We had better plans for you know, influenza outbreak when we said we we're going to try to distribute Tamiflu to as many people as possible the year that we had a bad vaccine. Uh, yeah, listen, it takes your breath away. Um, and uh, we're supposed to be the nation that leads, not follows. Uh, and I, I would also, I guess, be concerned that if India is the other supplier, 
and they have to ramp up. They couldn't ramp up enough to replace what China's not making, right? Correct. Every company, it'd be like, you know, uh, you're going to have a bread company. Well, you're only going to make enough loaves that you're going to sell. Then you're going to build that bakery. So that's how big it is. That's your output. You're not going to build something saying, well, I'm going to hope that something dramatic happens and I need five times the space, five times the number of employees, five times the transportation and distribution. They don't have that infrastructure in place for for such a dramatic change that could possibly happen. Any coordination with the insurance companies on, you know, crisis management of this? or You know, the insurance companies, it's going to be really interesting to see how they handle it. Because if I'm switched from this uh, medication A to medication B, the insurance company is going to say, we had no reason for that. We had nothing to do with that. We still have the cost that is going to be uh, handed down to us. So it may not be the insurance companies, but it may be somebody in the federal government saying to the pharmaceutical companies, you are going to have to do two things. One, you're going to have to increase your production in certain medications. And two, you're going to have to decrease your costs in order for this to be fair to the consumer. Now, the bad thing is those companies are going to say, wait, you're going to ask me to build this all up, take all this expense, get all these people, get all this medication out. And as soon as China comes back on the pipeline, all those patients and all those medication sales are going to be gone. It is such a teeter-totter and balancing It'll be a fantastic uh, project for MBA students in the future. So the potential for danger from the virus itself, at least for what we know right now, is probably not as great as the potential for having to deal with shortages here. Yeah. Yep, I would say that that's true. You know, you, you, we're seeing a lot of people in the coronavirus. There are seven coronaviruses. Four of them we call common coronaviruses. Everybody that's listening to this, has had a coronavirus. It causes the common cold. We've had three that are called novels. One is SARS, one is MERS, and one is COVID-19, the one we're dealing with right now. Mm-hmm. SARS, we haven't seen a case since 2014. Um, it's essentially gone. MERS kind of flashed in the pan in the Middle East and really didn't do too much. This is the one that appears to be the one that's going to have a bigger ripple effect. So, how we handle it and what we're going to do going forward is going to be the big thing as far as containment. If China can contain this quickly in the next couple of weeks or months, they may be able to come back and rally for their economy for all the products that we need that aren't just medical. You know, look at Apple iPhones and things like that where we don't realize all the components that are made in China. Well, that's the thing. That's not an evil thing, regardless of whether we're getting the truth from China. They don't want to lose money. Um, and they don't want their people dying. So we've got to hope for the best for them to handle this first because it's on them. Yeah, it is. So. And you, it's, uh, it'll be interesting. Get some more individuals from the CDC over there to help them to actually get some true numbers. And, you know, like I said earlier, you know, this, the media hype of them showing going door to door to check someone's temperature to, to decrease that spread that was great in the SARS epidemic because you had to have a fever before you could spread the virus. With COVID-19, we know that you can spread it when you're asymptomatic and you can spread it without a, without a fever. So fever is not going to be the limiting thing that's going to say you have the disease. 
it's unfortunately going to be that quarantine time to limit this from spreading anywhere else. Well, whether we like it or not, now we know a little bit more about coronavirus and the different ways it can affect us, and it's scary stuff. So it's great to have Dr. Kevin Most on speed dial, because as I said, I've got things I want to say, and I love the fact that we can do these conversations and have you eavesdrop on them, and whenever they happen, we'll just push them out on social media. Thanks for listening. I'm Steve Cochran. We'll have more to come, and we push it out on social media everywhere, and I call it live from my office. Yeah.